Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. For those of you who have grown up post 1980s. I'd like to talk to you about a different time in entertainment. I'm going to take you back to suburban New Jersey, where I am growing up, and I am getting up in the morning with one thought on my mind. I am going to hang out with my friends. I don't know what we're going to do. We might play Dungeons and Dragons. We might go ride bikes. So, I get up, I go have my breakfast. I pick up the phone, I call my friend. I say, why don't you come over and meet me? They say, great, I'll be over in a half hour. I pick up my cereal, I go into the living room. I turn on the TV, and the film The Private Eyes is on HBO. I know what you're saying. Well, ain't you fancy, you have HBO. And all I can say is that, yes, that year life was good in the Garden State. So I sit down and I start watching The Private Eyes. My friends come over, knock at the door. Of course, they walk right in. They come in and they see I'm watching The Private Eyes. They sit down on the couch and also start watching The Private Eyes. Suddenly, we have watched the entire film The Private Eyes and have not gone out. We finish it up and we're getting ready to go out. And my one friend says, hey, did you know this film's on again at four? So can you guess what we do? We go out, we play around till four, then we come back and we watch The Private Eyes again. We would consume the same movies over and over again on cable television for two reasons. One, because we enjoyed the film, but also because we could. This was all pretty brand new at the time, and it was very exciting. I was lucky enough to grow up like this and to have a good group of friends and family who enjoyed a lot of the same things that I did. I could say that some of my favorite film-watching memories were these sort of quiet afternoons sitting in my living room with my friends, nobody saying a word, just watching movies on HBO. We would watch the movies, and then we would talk about the movies. It was an amazing way for us as a group to fall in love with movies. And whenever I think about movies and why I like them so much, I think back to this time, and I think to films like The Private Eyes. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about this often overlooked comedy, The Private Eyes. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the plot, the filming location, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. The 70s and leading into the 80s were a great time for movies set in mansions, especially Agatha Christie-like mysteries, including Murder by Death, The Private Eyes, and then as you went into the 80s, you had movies like Clue, 
and even Haunted Honeymoon. And if you take Haunted Honeymoon off that list, you probably have my three favorite. And I will have to get to Murder by Death soon on the podcast. But we're here to talk about Private Eyes. It was a 1980 comedy and notably starred Don Knotts and Tim Conway, playing a pair of detectives who work for Scotland Yard. Tim Conway plays Dr. Tart, and Don Knotts plays Inspector Winship. They are obviously parodies of the very famous detective duo Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. The film was directed by Lang Elliott, and unfortunately, it marks the final appearance of Don Knotts and Tim Conway starring together in a motion picture after having quite a good run together. That doesn't mean they didn't have a cameo. They did play police officers in a small cameo in Cannonball Run 2. Sure hate to give a chauffeur a ticket, you know? Yeah, it's always the jerk in back giving the orders. Yeah. <sighs> Pardon me, sir? We were, uh... The film was written by Tim Conway and John Myers. Conway and Knotts had made a couple of family-friendly films at Disney, notably The Apple Dumpling Gang and The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. During this time, Tim Conway and John Myers would team up to write a screenplay called The Prize Fighter, which was a box office success. So they would team up again to write another Conway-Knotts team-up, The Private Eyes. The film was written in just a couple of days, according to Don Knotts. We'll talk a little bit about Conway later, but Myers was born in 1921. He passed away in 1992, was a actor on both the small and big screen. His biggest role was probably in the film adaptation of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. But if you're a fan of comedies, he was the leader of the Roman Senate in Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 1. All fellow members of the Roman Senate, hear me. Shall we continue to build palace after palace for the rich? Or shall we aspire to a more noble purpose and build decent housing for the poor? He also had a lot of small roles on TV, including Get Smart, I Dream of Genie, and Fantasy Island. I've talked about the 1985 Twilight Zone here. His last acting appearance was actually in an episode of the 1985 Twilight Zone in the episode Ye Gods. The film was directed by Lang Elliott. Lang was the original founder of TriStar Pictures. He worked in the entertainment industry for 40 years, receiving Academy Award nominations, and he would produce and distribute over 50 motion pictures. He would be involved with Tim Conway on The Private Eyes, but would also work with Tim Conway on his Dorf and Dorf on Golf videos. I don't know if you've ever seen Dorf and Dorf on Golf, but you should look them up. Tim Conway plays this diminutive golf player. Dorf. I watch them now and I chuckle. I can't stress how popular these videos were when I worked in video stores. We could never keep Dorf in. If we put Dorf on the TV, it was like a tractor beam that would pull dads into the store. They just had to have Dorf. After these messages, we'll be right back. For a quick jolt of comedy... Get Tim Conway's new video, Dorf on Golf. As Dirk Dorf, athlete extraordinaire, Conway shows his form. And shows you how his caddy, Leonard, improves his game. Dorf shows how to swing. How to hit out of the rough. 
and over and under a sand trap. Through this special TV offer, you get Tim's comedy book free. So get Dorf now. And now, back to the show. The film takes place in the early 20th century and concerns the murder of Lord and Lady Morley in their car by a figure in a black cape. And the film is a very much a parody of Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie style entertainment. It takes place in a mansion with a cast of characters and we're supposed to, through deductive reasoning, but really through silliness, try to figure out who done it. And it is quite a colorful cast of characters. And everything is pretty period perfect, including the costumes and props. I'm not going to tell you who done it or the twists, because there are twists in this film that make it amusing, especially the first time you see it. But one little fun aspect of the film that I will share and like to talk about is the existence of a creature that they talk about in the film, the Wookalar, which is a humanoid creature with a pig face and superhuman strength that Tart and Winship like to argue about. Let's just say that the Wookalar does make an appearance in the film. If you are a patient watcher, in a perfect world, the film would have had a sequel, and they did talk about doing it, one that would have gone into the attempts to find and capture this Wookalar. Unfortunately, despite the film making money, Private Eyes 2, The Hunt for the Wookalar, never happened. Since my friends and I were really into this film, it did not take me long as a player of Dungeons & Dragons to create a Wookalar villain for them to fight. They knew exactly what I was talking about because I tried to impersonate the characters from the film, and it was a fun addition to a now long-forgotten gaming session. You know, they said somebody down in Auburn Corners came face-to-face -face with one. Ugliest thing he ever saw. Said it had a face like a pig, big snoot, two tough coming up like that. Or a big hole in the barn with a single swipe. The film was shot at Biltmore Estates in Asheville, North Carolina, what would be Morley Mansion. Not to brag, but I once went on a public tour of Biltmore Estates. They don't let anyone into Biltmore Estates unless they have a ticket that they bought. The film was shot in a month and had a budget of $2.3 million. During the making of the film, Don Knotts was very sick. He had mono, and there were some other issues. There was a car accident where a stunt driver almost died. Because the house was so valuable, they had to insure it for $400 million. And then during the shoot, some books went missing and they accused Tim Conway of stealing them. As it turns out, a former security guard was tried and would plead guilty to stealing these books. And Tim Conway was credited with helping catch the thief because he was interested in the books. And an employee went to show him them and realized they were missing, so nobody knew before then. The film was distributed by New World Pictures, which was co-founded by famous movie director Roger Corman and his brother Gene Corman after they had departed from American International Pictures. New World was one of the last remaining big-time, low-budget film distributors and probably the most successful independent film companies in the country. If you ever go online and read about New World, it's got a very interesting history. It would actually at one point acquire Marvel Entertainment Group, which is the parent company of Marvel Comics. But then, I guess like all things, sometimes they just unwind. Who better to solve England's most puzzling mystery than these two international crime busters? Yes. Good day. I'm Inspector Winship, and this is my assistant, Dr. Tart. 
with the law and the order. Gathering vital clues from every available source. Oh. Better send it off to the yard and let them know we're here. Tim Conway is the dim-witted Dr. Todd. And Don Knotts is the inept Inspector Winship. In... Oh, my gosh. The Private Eye. The cast of the film is good, but I'm going to mostly focus on the two main stars. Don Knotts played Inspector Winship. Jesse Donald Knotts passed away in 2006. Famous comedian, probably best known for playing... Barney Fife on The Andy Griffith Show. He was also on Three's Company, where he played Ralph Furley. Very talented actor. Some great comedic films during his time. Not just the ones he did with Tim Conway, but he was in The Ghost and Mr. Chicken and The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Both great films that are very rewatchable. Tim Conway would play Dr. Tart. Thomas Daniel Conway, still around. was born in 1933. Comedian, actor, Got a start on McHale's Navy in the 60s and then would appear on the long-running variety and sketch comedy show, The Carol Burnett Show, as well as the aforementioned Dwarf series of comedy films. You really got to see them. The film also has a lot of great character actors, all of whom play their roles extremely broadly. I mean, very broadly. You had Irwin Keyes playing Jack, might know him as Hugo on The Jeffersons. Bernard Fox played Justin, the butler. Great character actor. Played Dr. Bombay on Bewitched. Trisha Noble played Phyllis Morley. John Fujiaka played Mr. Uwatsum. Susie Mandel played Hilda. Stan Ross played Tebert. And Grace Zabriskie played the nanny. All of them are fine actors, and they really sink their teeth into these roles. Music in the film was provided by Peter Matz. Matz was a Grammy and Emmy Award-winning musician, composer, and arranger. He worked on The Carol Burnett Show. And he did this film as a favor to Tim Conway. He is credited with the theme to The Carol Burnett Show, which you might be familiar with. You might also know the Carol Burnett spinoff, Mama's Family. He also created the theme music for that. The film was released on April 17th, 1980. It had a budget of $2.3 million and would go on to make $18 million at the box office. Unfortunately, despite those numbers, we did never get that sequel. We'll return after these messages. Okay, Atari, let's see your best pitch. You're out, Rose! I quit soccer to play Atari. <laughs> You need more practice, Haley. You can't keep me in here, Atari. The Atari video computer system is 20 cartridges with 1,300 game variations you play on your own TV set. Don't just watch television tonight. Play it. And now, back to our show. While we didn't get a sequel... We still have a pretty great movie. I rewatch The Private Eyes probably every other year at this point. It takes me back to simpler times when sharing a movie with friends was just about as good as anything else that I could do with my time. And so if you have a weekend ahead of you, maybe a lazy one where you don't need to go out, you don't have anything else to do, 
Maybe you got family or friends over. Why not check out The Private Eyes? It's a light comedy filled with silly overacting and funny jokes. It is worth your time, and it is especially worth sharing with other people. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to it. I do believe I am on every major platform that has podcasts on it. If I'm not, please tell me. I love to hear from people. Thank you for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Before you is a giant creature. It is holding a boulder over its head. Its body is massive. Its face is that of a pig. You face the mighty Wookalar. Roll for initiative. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.